enjoyed so very much questions from God. And these questions, where are you? God asked Adam. Where is your brother? He asked Cain. Then God says to Isaiah, whom shall I send? And then he says to Moses, when Moses is in a crisis, he said, what's in your hand? You remember Moses said a staff, a stick. God said, let me show you what I can do with a stick of wood. And that stick became a powerful instrument of ministry for the kingdom of God and for Moses as a symbol of his leadership. And then God asked Peter, Jesus asked him, said, do you love me? And last Sunday was the sermon, what is your name? He asked Jacob. Today, we're going to ask the question, and it's a very sobering question, not intended at all to be negative, but Jesus says, will you also go away? Do you want to go away? What's in your heart? Let's look at Scripture, if you will, please. Jesus is out publicly teaching now. This is not a closed meeting with just him and the disciples. He says, what if you should see the Son of Man ascend where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were who did not believe and who would betray him. And he said, therefore, I have said to you that no one can come to me unless I have been granted, it has been granted to him by my father. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. Then Jesus said to the 12, do you want to go away? Do you also want to go away? But Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we have come to believe and know that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Actually, I began with the latter verses, so let me go back to the first part of the text. Jesus says to them, this is the bread which came down from heaven, not as your fathers are, ate the manna, and are dead. He who eats this bread will live forever. These things, these things, I'm sorry, I've, I'm the one who's in error. I got my text inverted, and the video, I think, is up for the second part here. These things he said in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. Therefore, many of his disciples, when they heard this, said, this is a hard saying who can understand it. When Jesus knew in himself that his disciples complained about this, he said to them, does this offend you? And then follows the text that you see on the board there. What if you should see the Son of Man? And then you come down to where he says, do you also want to go away? You may be seated, and I thank you for your prayers as I share a message with you. I'd like to just initiate the message with a comment about how it feels to stand behind a pulpit sometimes. For me as a minister, I am reminded of Scripture by the Holy Spirit that sobers me. And the Bible says that preaching is really, to the world, foolish. Because you have a Bible. You pray. You're as smart as I am. Maybe smarter. You have 
resources. You have commentaries. So here I stand to share a message. That would seem foolish. And the Bible says that. And yet the Bible says that God chose through the foolishness of preaching that God has ordained that through a message from a minister that would be kind of called to attention and would be arrested by the Holy Spirit. So the intent, the desire of every minister who is worth his salt or her salt is that what is said would somehow plant a seed in your heart that would be a, a seed that would grow. It is not important to me that you come and tell me I preached my human ego, yes, but spiritually, no. It's not important to me that you tell me that was a good sermon. In fact, if you tell me that it was a good sermon, but you don't carry it through the week, if you don't think about it on Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday, if it doesn't change something in your life, if it doesn't motivate you, it's not a good sermon. The merit of a good sermon is that it brings forth fruit. So I want that to be understood. You know, Sean Woody over here is project manager for that new hotel down on Main Street. That'll be the fanciest hotel in town. I think she told me they'll be putting sheets on beds that cost $1,000, just the sheets. I mean, it's outrageously expensive. I think it'll be like $500 a night on Main Street of Charlottesville. And you know why they're building it? For people to live in it. For people to stay, spend a night or two or a week or whatever. They believe that their people have that much money and they'll come and stay. What I'm saying is that if a sermon doesn't bear some fruit, it really is a worthless sermon. But if it's delivered in the power of the Holy Spirit and you receive it by the Holy Spirit, then it would change your life in some small way. It'll be dynamic. So in the next few minutes, by the grace of God, I hope to sow a seed by the grace of God in your heart that will stir you, that will challenge you. On this thought of, will you also go away? See, the challenge that erupted out of Jesus sharing with them, he told them, he told them that you can't come to the Father. You can't get to me except you go through the Father. You've got to be drawn and that I'm the way. The fact that he posted with them that there's no other way to get to heaven except through him. That was offensive. Uh, 2,000 years have passed. 2,000 years have passed since this message was shared. And it's not changed very much, has it? Think about it. Think about if I were to go down to Main Street today and just stand out there and start saying, Jesus Christ is the only way. There is no other religion that can save you. I don't think I'm going to be well received on Main Street of Charlottesville. And do you know that there are churches in Charlottesville that they call themselves churches that they do not want you talking about Jesus being the only way? Some of them even call themselves Christian churches. And they would like for you to come, but they don't want you 
telling other people that they can't get to heaven except through Jesus Christ. Now, because of who you are and because of your status in the community, this past week I was invited to be on television, Channel 19, and I spoke. I'll try and put the link in for you this week. You can watch. And I debated a lot what to say. I called people in the community. I said, what shall I say? Because, you see, you have an impact on the community. Your v very presence in the community is a statement. And you make a difference. And when we publicly present ourselves to the community, invitations come. Invitations come. And it is frequently that I even get personal invitations to, like, have dinner at the Muslim mosque. We're having dinner. We'd like for you to be present. Please, Dr. Bear, come. Let's have dialogue. Uh, I've been invited to sit on a stage with the primary religious leaders of the community of different religions, um, the Hindu, the Swami, the Iman, etc. And you know what I do with those invitations? I put them in a trash can. Because you see, you must understand, if you put 12 chairs up here, and I'm one chair, and everybody gets to speak equally, then guess what? My voice means no more than 11 other voices. So I want you to understand, not much has changed in 2,000 years in regard to this. It's still an offense to the world when we say Jesus is the only way. So the first thing you got to be persuaded of in your heart is, do you really believe that? <laughs> because when Jesus said that, when he posted that he's the only way, it upset them. Even some of the disciples got upset. And notice, please take note, the Bible says that disciples went away, not the twelve but others who weren't disciples, they went away. Said from that time forth, from that time, many of his disciples went back, didn't walk with him anymore. They were offended. You know, John 4 and verse 24 reminds us that we are a people of God who worship a God who is a spirit and who is truth. And we bring ourselves under discipline under this God to walk with him. And I asked myself as I studied this and thought about it, what kinds of things cause people to go back? Have you ever known anybody that walked with the Lord and went back? You ever thought about why? Have you ever listened to some of the reasons why people went back? You want me to give you a few? You know, you and your husband were so faithful in church for years. And since he died, I'm having a hard time getting you to be faithful. Well, I just can't come to church and, and, and him not be there. I'm thinking you still live in the same house. You still own the car you own that you all used to ride in. Well, somebody said something and hurt my feelings. I'll just ask you, just so we have a general understanding, has anybody in here ever had somebody say something to you that hurt your feelings? 
Well, some of you folks are saintly way beyond all of my expectations because you didn't raise your hand. But I can raise my hand a thousand times over, and I can even tell you that my children have said things that have offended me. My mother said things that offended me. My father said things that offended me. My brothers and sisters have said things that offended me. My in-laws have said things that offended me. Layla has said things that has offended me. I know you're waiting. You didn't think I would say that. And some of you have said things that have offended me. And I have probably said things to some of you that has offended you. Well, bless our little hearts. Why don't we just all get out a bunch of tissues and cry over our little pain that somebody said something that hurt us? And tell Jesus that his blood on the cross means nothing because somebody hurt our feelings. That the crown of thorns on his head, that I'm sorry you went through that, Jesus, but you just don't understand somebody hurt my feelings. I got offended in church because they talked about money. They paid to go to the ball game. They paid to go to the Fashion Square Mall. They paid for their meal. They paid for a nice car. They paid for their home. They bought brand name clothes when they could have gone to Salvation Army and Goodwill and bought brand name shirts for three bucks. I'm not wearing something that somebody else has worn. Really, I do. I just simply throw it in the washing machine or send it to the cleaners. And you like as not of seeing a shirt on Sunday morning that I might have paid $3 for. You know, I'm just trying to help you understand people still go back. And in the Bible, the Bible said Esau got angry and traded in his birthright for a bowl of soup. Jesus simply says, I'm the way. People said, well, I'm not following him because I, I've heard, you know, I, 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 my, my people are, are people who've worshipped the goddess, the great temple of Ephesus. You know, the temple in Jesus' day was not, not to be compared in its ornateness with some of the temples to women gods, goddesses. marble columns. They had spent incredible in our day millions and hundreds of millions of dollars building temples to gods, false gods, and people thought that they were supposed to hold on to that. Their tradition was. And I have people say to me, well, I, I, can't, I can't be a Christian because my people are, well, if, you know, if I were to follow Christ, it would really offend my family. Really? Many went back because it was a hard saying. Some people locked in culture. They want the church to do cultural things. They want the church to meet them on their cultural level. We try. We try our best, but you know what, friend? I grew up in North Carolina, and some of the things that we did when I grew up, I don't even like anymore. Go 
You want to get in this boat and ride with me or not? Some things my family did when I grew up, I don't feel comfortable with anymore. Some foods we ate growing up, I don't like anymore. And some foods that I didn't eat, I do like. I fit with you as my brothers and sisters in Christ better than I do with any of the people of the world who are not my brothers and sisters in Christ. And we're not alike. We're different. One Friday evening, Layla and I were having a quiet evening at home. And to sit loose and listen a minute. Just the two of us. And we thought, you know, let's chill and let's just be together. So we had heard about a movie, a decent movie, about the black culture. It was supposed to be a comedy. So we said, let's watch that. So we are watching it when we see a car pull up. It is our elder son who is married to an African-American woman. Man, we are turning that TV off faster than you can say Rumpelstilt skin. We're not going to have our daughter-in-law come in the house and see us watching an African-American movie. And they come in and sit down, and we talk, we laugh, and after a bit, she says, well, what were y'all doing? And one, I probably, Layla, I probably didn't have the courage, told her what we were doing. Oh, she said, I love that movie. Turn it back on. And I want to tell you, it was a whole different world with my African-American daughter-in-law walking through that and telling us what things meant and her eyes and our eyes and the two different ways that we saw things, it was an awakening moment. Are y'all listening to me out there this morning? I want you to hear me. I want you to listen well this morning because you can find a thousand reasons to go back. You can make them up. They don't have to be true. So I thought about how I could perhaps illustrate what's going on here. Jesus finally looks at them when they go back and he says, will you also go away? He looks at the the smaller group of disciples that are left. He said, what about you? Where are you? What are you going to do? So I want you to imagine. I wish I knew how to just dramatize this right now. If I could somehow. So, John, if you will please come up. Arvin, if you will come up. Yes, Brother John. That's it. I want you to come up. Uh, Arvin, you wait right here a minute. John, you stand here, and you turn and stand right in front of me, John, and put your arms out, 
and say, I died for the whole world. I shed my blood for your sins. Now, I know that it's just you. You're a human being and you're not Jesus. We all got that, John. So don't be hesitant. Say it. All right? All right. I for your sins. And then he dies. He rises from the grave. And then he says, now look, let's go to the next city. So John, walk real slow and start saying, I want you to go with me. And I want us to go to another city. And then you turn, you say, let's go into all the world. Slow and easy. All right, now, Arvin, you come here. Now, turn now, Arvin, turn. And it's at, turn, face me, Arvin. This way, right here. All right. All right, now, I want you to kneel. And you're in front of the cross now, okay? And you're going to tell, Lord, I'm saved. Hallelujah, Jesus, thank you for saving me. And all I want you to stay right there and just keep telling Jesus how glad you are to be saved. Just say it. Say it out loud. How, what would you say? Lord, thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Oh, Hallelujah. wow. Lord, it is something precious. You have given us such a precious eternal life. Oh, I love you, Lord Jesus, for this wonderful... Oh, give it a little lump. Hallelujah. Oh, yeah, 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 right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Hey, hey there's a great revival over yonder. Go over yonder somewhere you can shout. Yeah. Oh, man, you're going to like the music of that church. Oh, that church. Oh, yeah. Oh, I heard that. Wow. Oh, yeah. No, I can't. can't. I got, I got, I'm just so happy being saved. Oh, Y'all think we got it now, or you need, to, you need to continue this? How many of you say, I got it? All right, thank you. Thank you, brothers. You see. I thought about how do you go away? You know what? You can go away by just staying in the same place. Jesus is moving on. kingdom of God's moving ahead. kingdom of God's going places. Layla and I got married in December. I finished out teaching high school in May. Went to a college and met with the dean of instruction and said, tell us the shortest way to get our bachelor's degree we want to do it in one year. And he told us what would be required for that to happen because we had very little money and we were newlyweds. And he said, between the two of you, you will need to carry 84 semester hours in nine months, two semesters. All of you understand college? You know what that means? It would have been equal to each one of us carrying 21 hours per semester. I was also editor of the college newspaper I also worked a public job that was a sub-job for the federal government 15 hours a week as an editor. We made almost straight A's, and I walked into a church, the largest church in Cleveland in those days, that was a few blocks away from the university. And I said, I'd like to speak to the person in charge of Sunday school. And they said, well, that would be Mr. Dixon. And I said, sir, I'd like to teach a Sunday school class. 
He said, you're not old enough. He said, the only class we've got open is teenagers, 16-year-olds, and they're all executive kids. He said, they're the worst kids in the church, most difficult. He said, you're not old enough to handle them. I said, so who's going to teach them? And he said, well, I don't know. I said, well, it looks to me like that's a good excuse for giving me a try. So in addition to our studies and editing the college newspaper and other things and working for the job publicly and Layla working 15 hours a week, I taught a Bible class of teenagers in North Cleveland Church of God. I'm going to stand here flat-footed and share with you that you're looking at your pastor and regardless of whatever has been going on in our lives, whatever challenges we have had, whatever kind of opposition the devil's ever thrown against us, we have always said, God, we will be faithful to church, we'll be faithful in tithing, and we will have a part in the kingdom work. Now, here's what I want you to understand. If you aren't doing something, you aren't growing. If you're not participating, hallelujah, and that's where you are. If you don't have a place in the kingdom somewhere, somewhere that it's you and Jesus, somewhere that you're going to make the difference, then in some estimation as I would preach this sermon, you're really going away because Jesus is gone. He's moving on. You're still here. He's not here. He's moving on. Now, I think the healthiest people who anchor their faith are people who find something to do and who make a commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ and who keep that commitment. I think those are, that's the best way to be healthy. So someone said to me this week, a young man whose life has really been a mess. He's brilliant. He makes incredible money. 